You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. morning, listeners, and welcome to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. I hesitated there for a second because I was putting my coffee down, so I hope all of you have a cup of coffee or tea or whatever beverage you like to drink in the morning and that you will enjoy our program. It came to me, and as you all know, it comes to me every day, that relationships are really, really important, and if you have a good relationship with someone... You usually feel happy and bonded and probably supported. If we find ourselves in an unhappy relationship, we often find ourselves fretting about the insult the other person delivered to us or the treatment they gave us. Notice that a happy relationship usually provides us with smiles and feelings of well-being, while an unhappy relationship often leads to feelings of insecurity, not being good enough, and other difficult emotions. With that in mind, what is your relationship like with your kids? The other day I was thinking about how most of the people I see come to me about unhappy relationships with people, substances, or themselves. And this is a big topic only occasionally do I hear about something wonderful that has happened, and I wonder why is it that we get stuck in the negative and tend to ignore the positive. In parenting, we often scan for what needs correction rather than the talents and accomplishments of the person we are training to be a successful adult. I have so many families on my caseload that struggle with a myriad of parenting issues that mostly center around what their child isn't doing rather than what they are doing. Maybe we just don't understand parenting, and honestly, there's no license to have a child. So many of us don't, and we learn by doing. Well, today's guest, Jody Montgomery, is going to help us with our parenting challenges. She was a teacher in the public schools in Hayward, California, and there... Montgomery learned about homelessness, poverty, and racial inequalities. After 20 years of teaching, she became interested in parent education and earned a certification in the Parent Project. We're going to ask her about that later. As a parent educator, Jody has worked closely with law enforcement, probation, and social service organizations, presenting workshops and classes in an array of venues. Montgomery took all this experience and became a parenting and teen coach. Parenthetically, I must say, I love the idea of having a coach for parents and teens alike. On her journey, Jody became interested in the struggle of love versus discipline and moved into mindfulness-centered parent, teen, and integrative wellness life coaching. She is also a certified Brain Spotter, which is a therapy called Brain Spotting. Coming to us from Santa Fe, New Mexico, I want to welcome Jody Montgomery to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. Jody, you yes. have so many talents. Yeah, welcome. 
You have so many talents and areas of expertise. Tell us a little bit about your journey to being a coach for parents and teens. Well, thank you for having me as a guest, Anne. My journey back in the day, as you mentioned, I taught 20 years in public education in the Bay Area um, in California. And I saw then, and I continue to see, the lack in the heart and mind connection. So I really had that name for my business uh, long, long ago. And I started weaving parent workshops into the schools with the focus on communication, connection, awareness, culture. I learned much from my travels. Uh, I traveled quite a bit out of the country as well as in. So that I weaved in as well. But my best teachers on my journey have always been my own two children. They taught me to look inward and grow, whether I wanted to or not. Um, Then I taught parent classes workshops throughout the Bay Area, and from there, I was encouraged to create my own business, which ended up being heart and mind consulting. I was utilized by the local police department, schools, county social services in the Bay Area, and I noticed how trauma played a huge role in situations both at home and school. So then I became trained in brain spotting, which has helped me tremendously in my journey as a coach, presenter, and as, as a consultant. Well, yes, and boy, I'm tired listening to all your accomplishments. I'm wondering, are oh. you tired? <laughs> <laughs> Am I tired? Yeah, are you tired? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I found over the time I have been on the air, Jody, that so many of the movers and shakers uh, are tired. <laughs> so thank you for all that you do. Now, oh, I have a lot of patients who have no idea how to parent their children, and I used to be one, not my own patient, but I used to be a parent just like that. And it seems that using... What their parents did as a role model for how to parent in today's world is really obsolete. And in, in so many instances, uh, how grandpa raised mom or dad is irrelevant. Has parenting changed, and is it the same as it was 25 years ago? Uh, well, I think the idea, in quotes, of parenting seems to have remained constant. Yet the rules of parenting have changed remarkably. The idea, of course, is to provide foundation, structure, love, so that the children um, are supported and nurtured in the home, and they will be contributing members in the community and the world. However, currently we have many types of family structures. Our 1950s version of parenting is very different than than we have today. We have caregivers such as grandparents, aunts, uncles, siblings, single parents, co-parent, foster parent. I mean, we just have everybody raising children. Because of costs and personal situations or stories, many families struggle with keeping that idea, that first thing I spoke of, of parenting in place. So, yes, I think it has changed quite a bit. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, the people I see, like, Drugs didn't used to be a huge problem, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, we're ill-equipped, honestly, and I have my own personal story with this. I had no clue what to do when drugs entered my house, and there was, at that time, there was just no help. And so, in some ways, we've evolved, but in many ways, 
our role models of like Ozzy and Harriet and Leave It to Beaver just aren't pertinent anymore. Okay. Now, you, yeah, you said that parenting equals understanding teens, and that seems like such a tall order. Explain <laughs> to us how we go about understanding teens. Well, it is not as easy as one thinks, although if we do our work, um, we can do it. We can find, figure it all out. And during the research during the past 10 years um, from um, MRIs, that's revealed that young brains have both fast-growing synapses and they have sections that remain unconnected, and it's going on constantly. So that leaves the teens easily influenced by their environment. They're more prone to impulsive behavior, even without the impact of souped-up hormones, genetic or family predispositions. So simply, the teen brain is under construction. There's a dated but really great film on PBS uh, Frontline entitled Inside the Teen Brain. And and your listeners can access that by going, just Googling PBS Frontline Inside the Teen Brain, and it's free. And I would highly recommend people that have teens or preteens to watch that. Secondly, adults need, tend to talk way too much. Um, as caregivers and those who work with youth, we need to ask ourselves an acronym, which is WAIT, W-A-I-T. Why am I talking? So <laughs> all, the te- all the teen years when we speak or nag is that Lucy and Charlie Brown thing of blah, 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 blah. That's all they do. And they zone out and you've lost them. So listening skills are extremely important. And thirdly, try to understand their world, their friendships, their isolations, their angst about the world. It's a very different world than we had before. Um, the, our, the school system, their music, their hobbies. Um, and be aware of you. I really, really stress this with parents is watch yourself. Watch your breath, your comments, your habits. As a parent, looking inward creates growth outward. Well, you you gave us a lot of information. I love this weight. Why am I talking? And my research has shown that people's attention span, and this is adults, is about a minute at max. When we parents get on the lecture circuit... The teens tune out, and you're exactly right, blah, blah, blah. And they start thinking, okay, when is he or she going to shut up? I've heard this all over and over. And I just want to say to the parents, I think that we parents get addicted to the idea if we just explain it one more time, our teen is going to look at us and go, oh, I get that. You were so right all along. And I've never seen that happen. So... I take my patients off the lecture circuit and give them a lecture circuit vacation. The other thing, the other thing I want to comment about that you said, Jody, is that the teen brain is not developed, and I'm hoping that parents get a healthy respect for that sentence. The teen brain is not developed. There is no wisdom in the teen brain. So the idea that we expect our teens to know something, like they shouldn't smoke pot or they shouldn't bully other kids, is just not possible unless we have a lot of conversation about it in our families. 
Do you agree? Oh, yes. Much, much so, yes. Now, I have a long history of working with teens and families affected by addiction to drugs, as my listeners know. Would you shed some light on how we can understand the substance-abusing teen? Well, number one, be present. And as I say, to be present with yourself, as well as home with, at home with love and interest. So what I mean by that is watch the style that you have as a parent and your connection to yourself as well as to your, the people in the home. Then you start looking in your medicine cabinet or drawers and see what you have. There might be a drug-alcohol connection to your child. They, the kids are going into pre, uh, uh, pharmaceutical drugs very easily now. So that's the first step I would watch your home. And then watch your involvement, which is difficult if you're working. So, you know, if there's substance abuse, there will be indicators. The body appearance, their eyes, fatigue, ramping up, twitching. There may be avoidance with the hoodie over their heads and walking up to their room. Um, with the, they go to the room without eating, no eye contact. Smell them when you hug them, if you dare. Ignoring the concern is encouraging the concern. So the next thing I would do is spot check the back the rooms. I wouldn't be doing this if you don't now, have any indicators. Now I'm going to ask you to hold that thought, checking the rooms. Okay. We have to take a break. And listen, okay. We will be right back with our honored guest, Jody Montgomery. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, listeners, to Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We are here with an expert on teens, families, and children, Jody Montgomery. Welcome back, Jody. And Thank you. As we as we broke for the advertisement, I had to interrupt you, and you were talking about how you could shed some light on how we as parents could understand our substance-abusing teens. And would you pick up would you, where you left off? Yes, absolutely. Um, just to recap a little bit is, is being present and also watching what is around in your home and what your habits are as a parent. So, for example, if you have prescription drugs in your medicine cabinet or in your drawers or laying out on the table, that's an indicator to a child or to a teen that that's how you soothe yourself um, and that they may go to that. Um, as they watch you do that. Same with if you smoke marijuana as a, as a parent um, and you think that that's okay because it's legal, of course, so, you know, in California. Um, so, you know, but if it's laying around and if your child sees that, that's an indicator that that's an okay thing to do. So, therefore, they go to that. Um, same with alcohol. People have alcohol laying around and they go to it as a, as a calming device. Um, and I just want to make sure that parents understand that you are the role model, you are the person that they're looking to at all times for um, guidance. And they're watching, whether you think they are or not, they're watching. So the next thing I would do is um, watch them. And, of course, they ha- they'll have some indicators as well if they're, you know, um, abusing and then you go into their rooms, spot check their rooms, their backpacks, their cars. When you find substances or, or paraphernalia related to substance, you take it away. You don't, you don't leave it there. And a lot of parents will because their kids will say, oh, I'm carrying it for someone else. When in <laughs> fact, you know, that's, that, um, you know, you just take it away and tell the parent, tell the kid, well, have their parent come and get it from you. You know, that's what you need to do. So bottom line is all teens need us and they need our interest. And if the teen is using, using the teen may need professional help. And the parent may need help and support for this. Um, a, parent, a really good parenting program is called the Parent Project. Um, and that's everywhere in the United States. Just look it up and find out where it is closest to you. There's also a book uh, last week or two weeks ago that was recommended by a parent of a teen involved with substance abuse, and the parent really liked it, and it's called How to Get My Son Back by Kevin Paul. I don't know that book, but that was recommended. I would advise never to engage in a conversation when the teen is under the influence or if the parent's under the influence. Um, And number two... Have a plan. I give a plan in the coaching program. Number three, move out of an argument. Number four, dig deep into your lives. Try and find the triggers of why they're using. And four, give love and consistency. And the last one is to commit to change. There may be some serious changes that need to be made in the home. 
No kidding. I, I love all that you said, and I just have to mention that my book, Let's Make a Contract, Getting Your Team Through Substance Abuse, is a step-by-step contract-based uh, compendium of what to do and how to follow through and what parents should do. So, um, also, I just wanted to say that when I had my son who was abusing teen, uh, who was abusing drugs, I, I didn't know what to do, and I am so glad that you provided us with these steps that we need to take to figure out what's happening and to intervene on it. And, and I just parenthetically want to say, three weeks ago, in uh, pediatrics, I had to go counsel some, a parent about his daughter who was 17 and had just was high, didn't have a driver's license, and ruined their fancy car. And there was no consequence for the teaching, and there was no guideline, and they bought her a new car. So mm-hmm. this is all not okay, and this is how we, so we support behavior that's not helpful to our team. Now, Jody, many of the parents who come to my office are furious with their teens, and they can't think of a punishment that will be meaningful to their child because, and I quote, my kid does whatever he or she wants to do, and they don't listen to me, and they're focused on the punishment. How do you advise parents to find a balance between love and discipline? Well, this is a little humorous. I don't know if you heard me chuckling in the background. Because the teens, when I have them come in, say the exact same thing. Parents do what they want, and they never listen to me. So in my program, I teach love first. So parents will come and they say, what do we do when they, you know, slam a door? And I'll say, we'll get to that. Um, Because there's things to do prior to that. And they're really, they're really wanting um, the punishment first. And the punishment, so every day, first of all, there must be messages of love, primarily by parents with no expectations of receiving the love signals back. So and then the other thing is clear, simple rules are established and posted. Many, many families, most families actually, don't, I didn't have them when I was raising kids, post the family rules. So I help families create rules with personal direction. They're very simple because of the brain, the teen brain. If followed, there are positive consequences defined in a coaching session. If the rules aren't followed, there's a negative consequence, and that's when the punishment or whatever the parent wants to the discipline happens. And that's for a short period of time. Many parents want to discipline their kid for two to three weeks, to have four months, six months, a year, I'm going to take the car away for a year, and I'm, I'm like, well, let, how's that working <laughs> Because, well, I'm going to ground you for life. <laughs> yeah. The teen brain is under construction, the frontal lobe, and so they can't see that far. They only see in the, in the immediate future, and p- the parent project will help people understand that. So the irony is love is discipline. So it's, it, the discipline creates form. And the form creates safety, and thus the feeling of love. So it's, it, it's a really ironic kind of thing that in love is the discipline. Um, the balance is non-reactive. It's loving. 
and it helps all people feel safe with clear, clear guidelines. I really like that, Jody. And uh, parenthetically, I have found that my contracts include consequences and responsibilities for the parents in addition to for the team. So it's not just about you're the person who really needs this. It's about this is a family agreement, whatever it may be. We clean up our car or we drive home with a tank full of gas, whatever it may be, we all do it, and there's consequences for all of us if we respect, if we disrespect the family guidelines. Now, there's a, an interesting phenomenon that I've watched over the years, and that's about trauma. Trauma's been redefined, thank heaven. It's not just about rape anymore or hitting somebody. It's a lot of different components. Talk to us about trauma in the teenage world and how do you treat it. Okay. Well, trauma, as you know, isn't exclusive to the teen world. Trauma's everywhere. So parents or caregivers come to the table with their own experiences of ancestral, prenatal, preverbal history of trauma. So teens can carry and do carry their ancestral traumas whatever that may be. And, and many times they are unaware of what they is housed in their cellular structure. And then they come also into the world with their own prenatal trauma, their preverbal trauma, um, and postverbal trauma. So after they start talking, there's things that happen that cause them to um, get anxious or shut down. So to add to that, there's all this current event trauma going on, movie trauma, Bullying at school is huge, um, and not only at school, by the way, it's on social media. Anxiety um, due to the, the future, schools, their occupation, what they're going to do in their life. I have, you know, 10-year-olds that come to me that don't know what they're going to do in their life, and I'm thinking, wow, okay, let's, let's start with right now. What, we're, what, what are we doing right now? <laughs> so um, climate change is in effect shootings, the shootings that are going on constantly, the one in Gilroy that just happened, it's, it's just at once a week it seems like. That's all creating trauma in these children, in these kids. Um, so it's overwhelming. Empathy is needed daily to help teens cope with this. Um, sitting down with quiet and watching what are we giving to kids that encourages this. So I had a, a girl once with anxi high anxiety, and yet they, that she was drawn to horror films. And so we were talking about how that goes in and how that can contribute to her anxiety. So that's sort of important. Also, of course, ther talk therapy is, is good, but brain-based therapies such as EMDR, brain body, EFT, those and mindfulness activities, of course, um, can help ease the dis-ease um, of, of growing up. Boy, is that ever true? And I think that there are many kids who hate talk therapy, and these other brain-based mm -hmm. methods are just superior. So parents, if you're listening, please investigate what Jody just named the types of different therapy. And we're going to have to take a break for some advertisements, and we will be back with you in a few minutes. 
your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Dr. Ann's Relationship Radio. We are privileged to be here with Jody Montgomery, who is the, I don't know how you refer to this, the owner, the creator of Integrative Wellness Life Coaching. We're talking about how to interact with your teens. Welcome back, Jody. Thank you. Um, Joe, we've been talking about... Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to make sure that I'm not the creator of Internet... Uh, integrative wellness coaching. I am certified in that. I'm, I created my own business called Heart and Mind Consulting. So I just want to make that clear. I'm glad you did. So we've been talking about trauma in the teenage world and how to treat it. And I'm, I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners an example of one of your cases. And just so our listeners will know, this is a fictitious name, and some of the details have changed to protect confidentiality. But would you do that and let us hear sure. what you treat? Okay. Yes, no problem. Um, what, most of my teens, first of all, come to me with some sort of trauma. There's something going on. Um, one in particular came to me and was, and I had been working with this person for approximately, I don't know, six, six months to a year prior in coaching. And I could never say the word movies or movie theater to this person. Um, she would, 
her body would change. Her, she would tense up, she would shake, she would get hot, and she'd say, don't talk about movies. Because you know, I would ask her, you know, what movies have you seen recently or something? And I thought, being the assumption that I, and I always teach people not to assume, but I, of course I did, that something had happened in a movie theater to her. But anyway, we, I just avoided it until I got trained in brain spotting. And I brain spotted her, and it came out later, after brain spotting, that she had been involved with her family in, a, in the gay pride parade in San Francisco where the, there was a shooting. She did not see the shooter, and she did not see the victim. But the whole family had to hit the ground. This, in her brain, connected with the Aurora shooting up in Colorado where she thought that there would be someone coming into a movie theater and shooting up the movie theater. So, therefore, she would never, she didn't want to hear the word movies. She had not processed that shooting in San Francisco. So the brain spotting processed it, and the next week, only one session in brain spotting, by the way, and she didn't talk. Um, I didn't know what was going on until later. After that, she came to me and I said, so how was your weekend? And she said, well, I went to the movies with some friends, just really casually. And I thought, huh, <laughs> really? Tell me how that worked. Tell me what your body was doing when you walked in. She said, oh, my heart raised a little bit. And then I was good to go. I ate some popcorn and we're going to go next week. And I thought, okay, there's something to this brain spotting thing. So, you know, I use it all the time now, but and with, with and excellent results. But it, it is something that, um, you know, basically calming them with other exterior things as well helps ease the trauma as well. Yes, it really, really does. Now, um, parents today are so busy earning a living, being a chauffeur, monitoring homework, making lunches and cooking dinners, and it often seems to me that parents aren't really available to their children, and incidentally, there's a, late, um, a new study that shows that on average, parents spend about, um, I don't know, an hour with their children a day, and that doesn't seem Boy. like it's enough. And then on the other hand, parents get about 30 minutes to themselves a day, so that's exhausting. And I'm wondering... Um, the lack of parental availability for their children, if you'd, I'm wondering if you'd comment on that. Yeah, so we do have a very busy life, especially in the Bay Area, um, of, as for parents, well, not only Bay Area, but the big cities and big jobs or organizations, um, very busy life as parents. Um, so there's much on everyone's platter, and children and teens need as they did back in the old days, they need availability, love, and consistency. And many, many, many times parents feel that money and gifts buy the love, as you mentioned earlier with your person that went into the hospital buying a new car. So it's really on the contrary. If at all possible, you know, have the home be the sanctuary, little use of media or screens, and that's really hard as that's our connection, you know, So, but I would put it on a, we'll talk about that, I guess, later. But family dinners are imperative, which is crazy hard due to sports and school activities, but it can be done. Um, quiet the environment down, ask questions, 
and there was a student that I had um, back in the day, was a seventh grader, who was, his, his grades were failing, he was rest of the hill, and he came driving up in his fer- parents' uh, Mercedes, and, um, but he, he was falling, he was falling down, so I had a parent conference with he and his parents, and I said, if you could make it, if you could get your work in by Friday this week, if you could do it, what would you want? What would you, what would you want from your parents? And he said, time. I want parent. I want my parents to give me time with them. And the mom looked at me and said, I don't know why he's saying that. I give him seven to eight on Wednesday evening. <laughs> and I, and I thought, okay, you don't hear an eighth grade boy saying that he wants more time with his parents. So, not very often anyway. So, I asked him to leave, and then we had a little discussion with parents. But, you know, this is, and I'll never forget him, because I thought he was crying for more time with his parents. So, yeah, it's it's hard, and it's it's difficult, but we need to make sure we we carve out that for our children. Well, yes, and I'm also guilty of that, because I can remember when my children were little and I'd go to Toys R Us and go, oh, this Fisher Place toy is so cool, so-and-so would just love that, and I'd come out with this whole big pile of toys when mm-hmm. my child was one, <laughs> and he could have cared less and would have been happy with one thing. <laughs> right. So, or to go to the park, you know, and spend some time at the park with you. So, yeah. Exactly. Now, there's a parenting style that I see a lot when I teach codependency for families and parents. And I think it's often described as we have rules, but we don't enforce them. That's that style of parenting. Well, Could you yeah. comment mm-hmm. on how crucial <laughs> consistency is? Uh, well, consistency, you know, is really important in everything we do. But sometimes it's difficult due to our complex lifestyle. So I always tell parents, you don't have to make any decision immediately unless there's blood or life-threatening causes or, or property damage. So, you, need, you know, if you could take a breath in a moment or two and converse with the other co-parents, whoever that may be, to make sure the consistency will take place. That's all it needs. It's just to take a breath and take a step out of the... Give yourself a time out. Children and teens know, they know who to play to get their way. So once they have a team, so once you have a team and respond rather than react, you'll be automatically, you're automatically going to be consistent. So if, if people just can take a breath, move out, take, a, take time to talk to the person, then come back, it, it works like a charm. Uh, yes, it really does. I can attest to that. Now, Jody, I have three questions for you all at the same time. So just let me get through them, and then you can answer okay. them in your own way. What is effective communication? How can we operationalize this for us? And how can parents have effective communication with a teen who won't listen? <laughs> okay. So I, I really feel <laughs> effective communication really simply is being able to be heard and being able to listen. And sometimes we want to be heard, but we forget that other part of it, the quieting down, because we haven't been taught how to listen. 
So effective communication, you know, Stephen Covey once said, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. So I work much as a coach with not only identifying feelings and needs, but also quieting down to actually hear responses. So FADE is an acronym I use, focus, accept, draw out, and empathize. So that's what I do as well. So now um, for what the other question you had, I think, is... um, how can we operationalize this and how can parents yeah. effective communication? Right. So how we can operationalize this is we can um, inquire about the team's life. There's a really good um, book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. That helps guide the parent into questioning because you'll know the language that's best spoken. The ungame chat packs are fun to have on the table as conversation starters. Now, if there's discourse or fighting in the home and the rules are clearly established, which usually isn't the case, um, there's one-liners to use, which I give. There's also shared control through choices, which is out of love and logic program. I also teach nonviolent communication, which is an awesome model of effective communication, but it's only effective when you have taken a time out. For a team that doesn't listen, it's usually a parent delivery issue, to tell you the truth. If they don't have their important things, the teen will come around. And I, t- I teach people how to do that. Um, but usually it's a parent delivery issue. And um, they, they will come around and listen once we learn how to, to communicate. Yeah, I, again, I just want to reiterate the 30-minute the lecture just does not work. So no. if parents put yourself on a vacation from that, retire from that. Well, I'm going to introduce a new subject, and I am also aware of the time, so I will Mm -hmm. have to break us and just alerting us. So there's so much fear about the effects of social media in today's world. What is your experience with media involvement and its effects? And we have about a minute and a half, so start in on that, and then we'll come back to it. Okay. Okay, just break me when you need to. Um, Yeah, as much as we feel media helps us, the effects of media are pretty alarming. That's why the Apple gurus in, in the Bay Area have their children in Waldorf schools. Waldorf doesn't have media involvement in the school um, until they're older. The National Institute of Health estimates that kids spend an average of five to seven hours a day using screens for entertainment. That's, e- that's equal or greater than the total time spent in the classroom. So surveys are showing, and I see this in my office, that they always face more anxiety, depression, and other mental health struggles than previous generations. The distractions of the screen mean less time for homework, physical activity, no, I'm family interaction. I'm going to have okay. to break us here, Jody. I'm That's probably yeah, no problem. Have, we're going to come back to this social media in a few minutes, listeners. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, 
are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick stakes, Q-U-I-K stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Welcome back, listeners, to Dr. Ian's Relationship Radio. We are here with Jody Montgomery today, and we, before the ad break, we were talking about the effects of social media, especially on teenagers, and Jody was telling us her experience, and I'm wondering, Jody, if you could pick up where we left off. Yes, we're talking about um, distractions of, the, of media, gives less time for family interactions, face-to-face time with peers. There's a huge thing going on with kids not being empathetic, not having, because they're not looking at people in the eyes anymore. So the content also on the screen matters just as much as the amount of time. So they're looking at airbrushed models on Instagram. They're seeing porn. They're seeing all sorts of things that we don't, and we're not aware. You know, this is right in their face. Bullying is also very, is happening all the time on media, on social media. So they could be sitting right next to you and be bullied. Um, so it's a, it's a very, there's very, a lot of angst due to current events that are on that media as well. Yeah, and I've had my own problems with my cell phone. I'm afraid I'm going to miss something. And because of my own issues, I did some recent research about how iPhones and video games and the like are damaging the brains of children, teens, and adults as well. And the research I found, um, said that collectively, this is just knocking me out, video gamers spend 3 billion hours per week in front of their screens. And for those who become addicted to their various technologies, the functional and neural reward system have been shown to have structural altercations. In teens who claim to play violent video games, it's been shown that these teens have less overall activity in the area of the brain that controls emotions impulses, and attention. How do you, Jody, advise parents to structure iPhone time or video game time? Well, I have a media contract that I use with parents and teens, and they need to agree with, so we, we compromise. Um, there's also a schedule that the, every person in the home, including the parents, makes for screen time, and that's after they've done all their other study times and things. 
um, because it also disrupts sleep. Also, screens don't need to be in any bedrooms. That's important for many, many reasons. But if parents, I always say, parents, watch what you're doing. Do you have a TV in your bedroom? Do you have your computers, your iPads, your phones charging next to your head? Those are those are um, all pieces to be looked at. And, and they're dangerous, especially for the developing brain. Do you have any mm-hmm. advice for those listeners who, like many of my patients, feel that they're simply lost in how they need to parent a defiant teen? Well, first of all, there's to be able to look and see what the root is of the defiance. And um, there's always something going on. Kids, unless there's mental health issues involved, there's some reason the child or the teen is, is defiant. The second thing is never give up. You're not a loss. You're not alone. You're not uh, by yourself in this. My contact information is Heart and Mind Consulting. Um, there's a four-week fast-track program. But there's many programs, parenting programs out there and books that will help and, and communities that will help, you know, support you and your struggles. Mm-hmm. And over my career, I found that once we make a child the, quote, identified patient, and I want to explain that for a minute, so I mean by that that this is the person who has been unconsciously or sometimes consciously selected to lay blame upon to draw attention away from the family's true inner conflicts and true problem mm-hmm. behaviors and their perpetrators, rather like a scapegoat. And they become entrenched in the role. And the problem child, the bad kid, the container of shame is now like, would be that into adulthood. I, I treat these adults. How do you coach a teen who is an identified patient? Well, number one, labeling is really quite damaging. So my goal when coaching a teen is to be the teen's advocate, to build them up, to use, you know, positive cognitions and work with them in games and in activities and brain spotting to to make them feel worthy. Um, It's a fine dance because I'm also the parent advocate. So usually I already work with the parents in the household set, and then I work with the teen. The teen usually wants certain things, and to receive those things, there's reprogramming such as brain spotting, totems, vision boards, bilateral sounds, flipping negative self-talk. So I've never visited with a teen that really likes that role of the bad kid. They understand it, and sometimes they'll, they'll move right into that role, but they prefer to be loved and honored. Absolutely true. I've also found that when we help families restructure themselves, that the children benefit. And I've been reading what some of the things you've written. You said that we as parents must do our own work continually. What is our work, and how do you suggest we do it? Well, this is a big one for me. Um, our, our work is to embrace our own discomfort. So we need to find out what it is that, when, when a teen or someone is acting up and it triggers us, why is that triggering? What is going on? So we need to show up. We need to step out of our perception of what we think we should be as a parent. You know, and, and social media does that to us. Oh, so-and-so's parents look like they're doing great. They have the perfect children. Well, there's underlying things. So we need to look at what's going on with ourselves and why that's important. I utilize Brene Brown's empathy model. 
and Byron Katie's The Work, Brain Spotting, as I referred to, and it all dives deep into some sometimes our discomfort, and it helps us move through our stuff as to better ourselves um, and believe in ourselves, because we, a lot of times it's, it's fear. And then that creates harmony in our relationships. So doing our work is really learning about us and those we live with, our personality styles, our learning styles, our love languages, our brain development, our traumas. And it takes time, and it takes energy, but it's so worth the effort. Yes, it is. And what are your top three pieces of advice for parents of teens? Huh. Top three. Um, top one, three. <laughs> not in order, is to be no. present. I think just presence is really important without, and what I mean by presence is limiting your distraction. Um, number two would be to be loving, empathetic, understanding, shutting up. <laughs> I'll say that clearly. Number th- now the third one would be be consistent with boundaries and form and love. So all of those require vulnerability, and that can be difficult because vulnerability comes with, comes with that comes pain and failure. But also, it comes comes with it problem solving and trust and connection and creativity. So those are the three. Okay. And I also noticed that one of your beliefs is that we all have the capacity to recognize, heal, and adapt our skill sets. What do you mean by that? Well, I think we're all healers. We all can heal others if we just do, as I said before, do our work. We're all learners. Every person, no matter what our trauma, no matter what our experience, has the ability to heal and grow and learn. We don't have to parent as our parents did, nor should we. Our world has changed. But we can move forward with vulnerability as long as we're able to be honest with ourselves and then do the work that's needed. I really like your your answer to that question, and I hope our listeners need that. I want to ask you, Jody. Do you do uh, remote or distance yes. coaching? Distance coaching. Yes. Oh, tell us about that. Well, I'm all over the United States right now. I have some people in Washington D.C. I have people on the West Coast in California, Nevada, New Mexico. I'm, I'm doing it all over. So, uh, my my contact information is on my website, which is heartandmindconsulting.com. My phone number is five one zero. Seven zero eight five seven four zero. So that is how you know people can get a hold of me. I also have a Facebook page for Heart and Mind Consulting, and I, I post a lot of things, you know, books or information that people might might be interested in regarding parenting and trauma. Thank you for that service to all of us who need your help and. This is really a hard certification to get, so I want to really respect this. And I'm also aware of our time, so we need some uh, concise response to this. You're a certified brain spotter, and what is brain spotting, and how do you provide this type of therapy for teenagers? Okay, so um, if if everybody out there could put their fist and put their thumb inside their fingers... Um, in the fist, the fist represents the brain. So the fingers are the are the neocortex, which is what's accessed when one goes to talk therapy. Rational, logical, verbal processing takes place there. The thumb 
represents a subcortical brain where we house our memories and our trauma. And brains, and also our wrist is sort of our reptilian brain. So brain spotting through an axis of your visual field um, is where you look determines or affects how you feel, and David Brand created that, goes directly into your subcortical, it bypasses your prefrontal cortex. So basically, and you don't have to talk. So what's really awesome is people don't even have to tell me what they're working on, and their brain just does the healing on their own. And yes, I provide brain spotting for everyone, and it's very effective with teens. Extremely so it's really an exciting therapy. And would you repeat um, one more time how our listeners can contact you? Yes. Um, my my website is heartandmindconsulting.com, and my phone number is 510-708-5740, and I do remote coaching via Zoom, which is a um, HIPAA-protected Site, sort of like Skype. Um, I offer free sessions, chat, come in and do a meet and greet. Jody Montgomery, it's been a joy to have you on today's program. And ours is a program about relationships. And today we've all learned how to have a better relationship with our children. Children are a reflection of the family. Consider them a feedback mirror. They are unknowingly so wise. Until next week, this is Dr. Ann Schiebert asking you to remember that only you can create your world the way you want it to be. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.